0: Using the short while, so I'm just gonna put it over here. Well, good morning, church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm too glad you can be in a place like this. Some of you can be somewhere else, uh, enjoying maybe the mall or maybe going to some other places. But the Bible tells us there's nothing better than being in the house of the Lord. Here, you get a chance to hear not only His word that inspires us and also change our lives, but it's also a place where we can truly say, God, you're number one in my life. Everything only makes sense when my life is focused on you. So thank you, Praise Team, for helping us today. But also thank you for the fact that you have made it a time for you to say, Lord, today I know where I stand in terms of my relationship with you. I set this aside for you. Well, this morning I'm excited once again to give you God's word. I think I left something. Excuse me. Is the click going to work now? We were just trying some technology earlier, but I don't think the click. So we're going to be working on something here. Mic test, can you hear me now? All right. Well, what I'm about to share with you this morning is, a, is a, a continuous part of a series that we talked about. How do we walk? How do we live? We're living in times like now where times are changing. As a matter of fact, when you look at people's lifestyle today, it is bothersome. When you hear people like Justin Bieber, all of a sudden at a young age, he gets drunk, right? He arrested, hopefully. I know maybe not drunk, right? Arrested. When it's Katy Perry all of a sudden getting out of her young age, and people are looking at these kids as though they were their models. And then you have all these things, people shooting in the mall, right? You're no longer safe in the world that we live today. And you're saying, what's happening with the world today? But folks, we need to understand, as Christians, we need to be different. How then should we live? And just a reminder, we were you last time? Maybe some of you are just joining us for the first time. We said, we're talking about how we should live. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, Verse 1, we need to walk in a manner that is worthy of our calling. In other words, when people say to you, my, that is a Christian. I want to be like him. That person walks with the Lord. That's the kind of person I want to be as an example. And then we said, how does that take place? We're supposed to look at different contrasts. At one point, we were Gentiles and people who know the Lord. We walk in darkness. We were in darkness not knowing what to do with our life, we were banging ourselves all over the place. We were living in sin. We hid in terms of living in the dark. But God says we now walk in the light. We mentioned that especially during New Year's. If you were here, we talked about that. Last time you were here, we said, don't walk like foolish. Let me use the word here. Forgive me if I use the word for this. Don't walk like stupid people, all right? But that's what the word says. We live in foolishness. But then it says, let's now live as wise people. Know how to live because our lives today is telling us people are no longer living as wise people. We live in times that are evil, folks. We need to make use of our time, and time is short. If you are like Sister Sharon, she knows about that. Maybe she would like say, just like yesterday, you know, I was like this, and now I feel like, wow. And we know every year we get older. I just got old a few weeks ago, and I'm getting old, folks. I need to redeem the time. And then Paul keeps telling us, something else needs to happen. If this is where I was, I need to be like this. Remember what I said? It's like walking. Walking means put off, put on. You keep putting off things about your life and then putting on some new things. And if you're a Christian, you better take this seriously. Because if you don't do that, you will never experience what it means to be a spirit-filled Christian. This morning, we're we'll going to talk about another topic. And I was, I was really... I wanted to spend more time with this. But then I said, I have to be careful. I want to make sure, keep it short and simple, right? It says here, we are not to walk drunk. Hear the word? We are not to walk drunk, but be what? But be filled with the Spirit. See the contrast here? At one point, we live in darkness. We live as foolish people. We live as drunk people. Now we need to walk in the light. We need to be wise, and we need to be filled with the Spirit. You see the contrast there. Now, let me share with you why I think this is so critical this morning, because if you and I don't understand this, I believe we will keep on walking as people who don't know the Lord. So, notice what we have to do for the verse today, Ephesians chapter five. You got your Bibles with you. It's up there. Just follow me carefully. It says, "Do not get drunk with wine, on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead," Be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I know this is your word today. And I pray, God, that you will make us understand through your Spirit what it really means to be filled with the Spirit. And if you're going to make us uncomfortable, Lord, make us uncomfortable today. If you'll have to convict us, convict us, Lord, so we can no longer live like where we were in the past. And still be calling ourselves Christians today. And holding to the things that grieves you and makes you really feel so sad about our lives. So, Father, I pray that just give me the clarity of mind and speech. That I'll be careful what to say to the Lord. That we'll speak more about you than anything else. In Jesus' name. Amen. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Now, folks, I'm not going to spend time in the first part, but I need to address this, because I was tempted to really spend time a lot in this first part here. Do not get drunk with wine. All right? Now, I've had a lot of discussions. People say, Pastor, is it okay to drink? Is it okay to have social drink? Right? Jesus Christ, in, in, in the marriage, they had... Why? Is it, is it okay? All right? Now, I'm not here to discuss more about that, all right? Because we can spend the whole time, because I, have, I, I know where I stand with this, okay? But I'm going to tell you what the Bible speaks here. And you need to deal with this. Let's get down to the word drunk with wine. You know what the word drunk means? To be intoxicated. You see the word toxic? Go to the next slide, please, all right? You, to, you see the word toxic there? Wine can be toxic. It can kill. It can damage. If you're not clear about this, let me give you statistics. Go to Google and just put mad. Mothers against drunk driving. Go to the national place to talk about alcohol. They'll give statistics. How this has ruined, let me be careful here. It has ruined homes. Because men have been drunk in their homes, beating their wives and beating their children. You've heard about that. You know, mothers who are so drunk, when they come home, there's no food at home. They also beat on their husbands. Children who learn how to drink at a young age have a hard time getting out of drunkenness. Have you ever heard about how many kids are drinking today? statistic tells us more young people are drinking between the age of 21 to 24 But by the way, statistics tells us also in high school, it's dropping right now. You know why they're stopping? Because they are being educated that drinking destroys. It kills their friends. Ah, but you know, I, I know when to stop. Really? But what about Bible says it's okay. Let me share with you. In the Old Testament, people drank wine for many reasons. Let me give you one reason, all right? The water in those times, they didn't know there were germs, all right? They didn't know it needed to be filtered. People just drank water, and they got sick. There's something about wine, when it gets fermented, it kills some of the bacteria. And that's the only thing that's safe. And so people drink it as part of their health, all right? I understand that. At the same time, the content of alcohol, it's not the same content that we have today. You have beer, then the next thing that is, is stronger than that, it's wine, and then you have what you call whiskey, vodka, rum, moonshiners, right? Have you seen this? Alcohol level. How many times stronger than mix water with wine in the Old Testament? And by the way, folks, a lot of kids are dying because of the way they drive those cars. You know what the word DUI? Driving under the influence of alcohol. It destroys, folks. Okay. I'm making my point here. People say, well, but Jesus Christ used it. All right? Now, drunkenness is a sin. All right? The Bible clearly tells us drunkenness is a sin. Now, is drinking alcohol a sin? I'm not going to say it is a sin because the Bible also allows for the drinking of alcohol. All right? But that is according to your own conviction. But let me tell you why I should be asking you this question. Why should I drink anyway? Oh, it's for health reasons. Folks, we got enough. Oh, oh, I need water. That is filled. We got filtered water. You don't need to drink wine to be healthy. All right? We got enough medicine today. Oh, but if I drink, probably it will get rid of some of my problems. It does not. It just holds off temporarily. It makes you numb. Why do you drink? Because people say, I need some peace. Folks, when you have the Lord Jesus Christ, He'll give you the peace. Kids drink. You know why the kids drink? According to statistics, because their, their parents are divorcing. Their friends, peer pressure, is telling them it's cool to drink. And parents, if you're drinking, and your kids follow you that you're drinking, you can't stop them later on. Mom and Dad does it. So who are you to stop them? I made it my conviction. I'm not gonna drink. So I can tell my kids not to drink because I made a choice. At the same time, I know, don't get me wrong, there are cultures that drink, alright? If you go to Germany, right? It's part of their meal. I can say, you guys, that is a sin. I don't want to put that standard then. That's between them and the Lord. However, Think about this. It's, all, it's almost like a joke, all right? In the olden times, when you drink, you don't drive, right? What do you ride? You drive a camel? Right? If you get drunk, you fall. Right? Today, people drive cars. And how fast do they drive? When you start drinking, that's which way there's a lot of kids that are killed out there. you going to tell me it's okay to drink? Those cars out there becomes weapon of destruction. Not only for the people who drink, but the people who are damaged. Talk to mothers who lost their kids and their husbands. And you're gonna justify that. I can't justify it. I cannot. Alright? Okay, let me give you a few more scriptures here. Right? Notice the next scriptures here. That leads to debauchery. You know what debauchery means? Abandonment. When kids start to drink, they abandon their Senses, sprinkling. You know what happened? Have you ever seen the kids when they go on parties? Women, they start doing things that they're not supposed to be doing. Guys, all of a sudden act stupidly. Right? When somebody starts to drink, they always come into licentious living. Have you ever noticed people start drinking? They lose constraint. Those who are not talkative, they become talkative. Right? (laughs) Those who don't don't look handsome, all of a sudden they look cool. Right? Those who are weakly, all of a sudden they become bold. They're going to they're gonna pick a fight with you. Am I correct? Yeah. All of a sudden, the things that you don't do, you start doing. And the more you do it, the more you lose control. Abandonment. That happened with Noah. That happened with Lot. Look at the Old Testament. Yeah. Even the, the daughter started to have sex with the father. They had children. They made their father drunk. And the father didn't even know what happened. Why are women being raped today? All of a sudden... Parties. I don't even like my kids to go to overnight parties. I'm sorry. You want to have an overnight party? Uh, Stay over? In my house. In my house. But you know what? I can always control my kids. Because I know somewhere out there, somebody's going to ask them, have you tried this? No, they're going to try it. Haven't you tried it? I tried it. Why? Because I know I'm curious. But why do I need it for? Be cool. Folks, being cool can destroy people's lives. It leads to prodigality, debauchery. All right, let me go to a couple more scriptures. Let's go to the next scripture because I want this morning I went to scriptures. Brother, can you move a little bit forward here? A couple more slides forward. Go to the next one over here. Look at Proverbs 20. All right? I just added this this morning because I need a little more study. I, I wasn't prepared, but I felt like I needed to do. The Lord just kind of reminded me. Wine is a mocker and beer, a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. You want to be wise? Stay away from it. Next verse. Proverbs 23. Look at this. Look at what it describes. If you read this, you know why. Wine is not good. All right? Follow me. Who has woe? In other words, who has problems? Who has sorrows? Who has strife? Who has needless bruises? In other words, all of a sudden you got all these bruises. Who has bloodshot eyes? Those who linger over what? Wine. Who go to sample bowls of mixed wine, the sample wines. Do not gaze at wine when it's red. I don't know, maybe, maybe it's red. It's like, wow, sparkling wine, right? When it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly, in the end, it bites like a snake, a poison like a viper. Go to the next verse. Your eyes will see strange sights. Sounds familiar? And your mind will imagine confusing things. You will be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of the rigging. Have you ever seen a, a, a ship with sails and on the very top? That's the most dangerous part. You know what it says? Oh, here's this Hey, let's drink on top of the sails. That's what a drunk would do. They don't even know they're going to die. They're right up there. They hit me. You would say, I'm not hurt. They feel invincible. That's what what alcohol does. They beat me up. I don't feel it. When I will wake up, I try to find another drink. Does that sound familiar? That's what the Bible tells us drinking is all about. And folks, let me even make it mainly clean it to home here. If you don't see the damage of alcohol, you better wake up, folks. As a Christian, whether it's your it's liberty, you have the freedom to do it. But is it right? Remember Brother Jeff? He used to come to a church, an Austin Revolution church. I used to talk to that brother every now and then. Every time he comes, he says, how are you, Brother Jeff? He said, Ken, I'm still struggling with alcohol. I try to get over it, but it's so hard to get over it. In other words, he's been asking God over and over again. And one day he was drunk. Remember, he just stepped up and a truck hit him. And he died instantly. I can't say it's okay, folks. I cannot. And if you tell me it's okay, you better come up with a good reason between not doing it and doing it. Because he says, the former life says, I used to do this this way. Yes, there are things I should no longer do in the former life. I need to start doing the right things. Okay? Are you okay? All right. I made my point, all right? Now, I'm going to go to the next part, but a few more verses. Can we go to the next verses here? Because now I want you to look at some reasons why I shouldn't be as a leader. The Bible tells me, and I'm going to make it short here. The high priests were not allowed to drink in the Old Testament. They refused from drinking. Because they said, if I go before the Lord's presence and I drink, I will die as a high priest. They refuse from drinking. Here's the second group. Those who committed their lives to following the Lord, there's a Nazarite vow, they refuse to drink. Let me give you a third group that refuse to drink. Proverbs, let's go to the, yeah, there it is, the Leviticus, all right? Go to the next one here. Yes, all right? This is the Nazarite vow. Let me go to the third one here. It is not for kings to drink. Not for rulers to crave beer lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. If I am a ruler, if I am a leader, let me refrain from taking alcohol. Why? Because I do not make right decisions. Would you like to go to a judge who just finished drinking? Would you like to have a president who rules because he drinks? Would you like to have a pastor who drinks? Hey, guys, you better listen to what i have to doing today, right? Maybe from, I won't listen to him. Elders, Dickens, the Bible says you should not be a person who is into drinking, drunkenness. Why? You can't lead if you are into drinking. All right, so that's not my point. All right, folks, I'm not saying drinking is sin, Absolutely. All right? I'm saying drunkenness is a sin, but I would have made a choice not to drink, because I don't need drink, for me to be peaceful, to be, be contented, to be happy. I don't need to drink anymore. I'm happy. I don't longer have to use these things for me to forget my problems. I go to the Lord. Why do I need that? Or oh, to be healthy? I've got medicines that I can use. I can't find any reason why, all right? So now, let me get to the next point here then. If that's the case, instead of being drunk with wine, I need to be what? Be filled with the Spirit. So the question is, why do you use this contrast here? Because you and I need to understand what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Filling with the Spirit is not a one-time event. Some people think to be filled with the Spirit, it is something that says, Hey, if you're going to be filled one time, you will be like, wow, super Christian. And so they look for these special experiences to be filled with the Spirit. It is not a one-time event. Oh, have you been filled with the Spirit? Well, I believe I have. Well, did you speak in tongues? I said, no. Speaking in tongues is not the proof that I'm filled with the Spirit. It is only one of the gifts. But to be filled, what does it mean? Let's understand what to be filled means. Let's go to the next screen over here. Here's what it means to be filled. To be filled with the Spirit, it means you and I are going to be Under control, right? A matter of control. What does it mean to be controlled by the Holy Spirit? Let me give you three things about this. It means to make full, to fill up. It means you and I are going to be filled up by the Lord. It's something that only He can fill. What else? It is also something, brother, you need to go back. There we go. To be made full, to fill up, to the fullest. To render full. Now, somebody uh, help me understand. What does it mean to be full? Well, when I was a young Christian, I thought being full is something like you go to the gasoline station, right? Lord, I look at my car. I have no gas. I need to be filled up, right? So I need the Holy Spirit to fill me up. So I say, okay, Holy Spirit, come and fill me up. Then after, Then when it's gone, okay, Lord, I need another fill up, right? So every Sunday, it's like you fill up time. That's what I thought, right? In other words, I feel like this is time for me to get energized. The whole week, you no longer have the Holy Spirit enough. You come back and you'll be filled up again. Eh. That's not what it means. I thought it was that way. But what it means to be filled with the Spirit, it needs, it needs to be that the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you rather than me just getting hold of the Spirit. Let me use the words that's used for being filled with the Spirit. There are three things for us to understand. It is a matter of control. What does it mean? When you have the Holy Spirit, it's like your sails are going to be filled with the air that comes from God, like the Holy Spirit. And that air will fill your sails and it's going to move you to places that only God can bring you. In other words, it takes a whole of your life and it moves you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The second thing is that it permeates our life. All right? I want to thank my brother who gave this to me for, for Christmas. Right, And I'm going to show you what it means. It means that our lives will need to be permeated. Hot water. And let's say that this is our life here. This hot water over here. Oops. Oh, wait a minute. Oops. Kind of hot over there. (sighs) Okay? That our lives is filled with the Holy Spirit. All right? Let's say that this water here represents your life in my life. However, folks, you and I need to understand... This may represent what is in us and what permeates our life. Hot water will truly share with us who we are. So let me just put this tea bag over here. And by the way, this is one of my favorite here. It's called the Sakura Allure. <laughs> when I put that tea bag, the tea inside the coffee thing over here, what happens with that water? It starts to change, right? The tea inside starts to permeate everything in my life. It starts to change the flavor of my life. And folks, that's what the Holy Spirit does. What does it do? It permeates every part of our life. It makes it beautiful. It makes it taste better. It brings out the best in us. However, let me share with you another thing about what uh, hot water does. You like to know what fills a person, what permeates it life? Put that person in a hot situation, in hot water, like a tea bag. That hot water will bring out what is in that person. If you are filled with anger, when something happens, that is what's going to permeate from you, anger. Have you ever seen a person that's filled with anger? Everything they're... They're angry with the dog. They're angry with the weather. They're angry with the pastor. They're angry with the members. They're filled with anger. Am I correct? You find somebody who is here who's filled with envy. That hot water will bring out envy in that person. They start to look at the person's purse, shoes, clothing, looks, their car. They're filled with envy. Why? Because that's what fills their heart. Why? That's who they are. You show me somebody right now Who's filled? Oh, somebody who's just filled with malice. They look at everything with malicious thinking, too, right? But you bring somebody who's filled with joy. Maybe they just got a bonus, I don't know, right? <laughs> By the moment they come in, like, whoa, all right. Yeah. Or maybe they just fell in love. Have you seen a person that is? filled with love, a person that is just newly married. Maybe I look at Bing and maybe uh, Brother Ads over there, right? You see the spark? they just just overfo- uh, overwhelming with love. There is a domination of that love that is filled there. I remember the song of uh, Michael Bublé. That's one song that I kept remembering when I was doing this. It's not, all of me. Why not take all of me? Like, like, boy, I want you to have all of me. By the way, in a way, that's what the Holy Spirit should be doing. Why? Look at the next part here. It's total control domination. What else? It's a process of being filled. In other words, when you come to know the Lord and the Holy Spirit takes over all your life, it is a process. The word being filled is not a one-time thing. It means you keep being filled over and over again by the Spirit who wants to control us. It is not something that you need to do, it's just something that, it's gone, you have to feel it. No, it means He is a person, not a power, not a substance. The Holy Spirit is a person. Let me repeat it again. The Holy Spirit is just not the power that comes out from the plug over there. The Holy Spirit is a person. And so we should be filled with the Holy Spirit means He wants to take full control of you and of me. He wants to dominate our lives! What else? The third thing about being filled with the Spirit, it is an outside influence. It comes from a passive word. If you look at the original word, it is only present, but it's also something that's passive. In other words, when I go to, it may be not the best illustration, but when I go to a a filling station to fill up my car, like the other day, I almost ran out of gas. And my wife reminded me that I had a little ding, 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 yellowish over there. It was like 12.30 and some of the gasoline stations were closed. I was praying hard because I knew if I ran out of gas, my wife would blame me. Why didn't you fill up? Maybe I didn't fill up, right? But that's not the kind of fill up we're talking about. The fill up we're saying when I go to a, a place, I can't fill up the car myself. Somebody has to come from the outside and what? Fill up the car. Somebody from the outside needs to come and control and dominate my life. That's what it means. It means total control. It means it's a process. It also means it's an outside influence of the Holy Spirit. So what happens by this? It tells us it is the work of the Holy Spirit that is going to fill up your life and in my life. In other words, it is not how much do I have of the Holy Spirit If you remember a point, please remember this. It's not how much I have of the Holy Spirit, but how much does the Holy Spirit have a hold of me. Can I repeat it again? It's not, all right, can I repeat it, all right? Not repeat it again. I have to remember that. I like to use that expression. I got to get it out of my mind, right? It's like, oh, I need more of the Holy Spirit. That's not what it means to be filled. It's the other way around. The Holy Spirit has a hold of me. That's what it means. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you ask yourself, Am I filled with the Holy Spirit or not? So how do you know? Look at some of these verses, what the Holy Spirit does. It says, to be a minister of Christ Jesus, to, to the Gentiles, with the priestly Judea, proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by. See the word by here? Who does it? The Holy Spirit. It's not you. He does it. Let me look and show you another verse. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by what? You can only say Jesus is Lord. He controls my life by the Holy Spirit. So you can say, Oh Lord, oh Jesus is Lord because I gave everything. Oh yes, but the question is is He taking a hold of your life? Every part of your life, and my life. Let me give you a fourth also reason what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And I pray you take it seriously. It means that you are dwelling in the Word of God. If the Holy Spirit fills us, in other words, you are living in the Word of God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 6 to verse 17, very close to what Paul said in Ephesians. Follow what it says. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and I sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let the word of God richly dwell in you. If you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, you're dwelling and living God's word. You know what his word says? Because when Christ is in you, that is the word made flesh, manifested in our lives. So folks, you need to know the word of God. Because once you know the Word of God, that's what the Holy Spirit uses to really remind us of who He is. And so what is the result? What are the signs? So the question is, so how do I know if I'm filled with the Spirit? Are you ready for this? So how do I know? What is the proof? So sister, how do I know you're filled with the Spirit? A brother, how do you know? Way back to kids, how do I know I'm filled with the Spirit? Let's see what Paul tells us. He tells us clearly. Speaking to one another in Psalms. Go back one, one, one. Psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another. So how do I know? Number one, all of a sudden when a person is filled with the Spirit, the attention shifts from their relationship to God rather than themselves. It now focuses on God and who else? On others. Remember the great commandment? Loving God with all your heart. Loving others yourself. That is one of the signs of a spirit-filled Christian. All of a sudden, everything that permeates their being is all about whom? It's all about Jesus. It's all about God. That becomes the most important thing. And what's the next thing? Others. What happens from the life where it was all about you, all about debauchery, all about selfishness, all about drunkenness? All about all these things about me, it shifts to Jesus and others. That is a sign of a spirit-filled Christian. But I still people who come to church today who are not yet filled with the spirit. I know that. You see in the way that they respond. If they don't get their ways, what happens? They have tantrums in the church, right? Some of them even leave the church. You know that. When they come here, they feel like they need to get attention. If you don't give them attention, they say, well, nobody said hello to me at church last Sunday. Well, did you go out and say hello to other people? Did you love people? No, but they didn't do it first. It's all about me again. Why is it about me? I thought when I come to church, it's about him and how I can love others. Why don't I come in here and start greeting people and say, you're more important than myself. Because Philippians chapter 2 says, I look at other, other, other people's interests more than mine. That's the life of Christ. What else do you find from this person? There is joy. Folks, it says, they are filled with joy. Why? They're singing. Have you seen since somebody is filled with joy? Folks, when you're filled with joy, what do you sing? I hope you sing praises. When you're filled with peace, do you think. let me ask you, when you're depressed, do you find the strength to find joy in the Lord? What songs fill your heart? Many of the songs that's being sang here, it's singing about encouraging notice no, what it says here. Speaking to another with what? Psalms, hints, and songs. That's why we have praise songs here, so we can encourage one another. It's not about you. Because if it's about you, you become critical. When you sing over there, why do they sing that song again? Why can't they sing my favorite song, right? Because it's about you. Right? Oh, that's old style. Why can't they sing a little more contemporary, right? Kids, I love the kids. And then the old people say, why they keep singing all these new songs over and over and over again? Why can't they sing some of the hymns? Why? It's about me again. Folks, it's not about me. When I come here, I need to what? Bless others. So when the praise team is up here, they're not here to please you folks. They're here to help you worship because you need to please God, not yourself. Because if you become more pleasing yourself, you become critical of the people up there. Ah, those people don't know how to play the ground. I play better. <laughs> well, why don't you play up there? <laughs> oh, they sing better than I. I should sing better. You better sing up there. <laughs> I'd rather have somebody sing here out of tune because they use for the Lord. You sing good, but you're not serving the Lord at all stop being too critical. You're here to bless them and encourage people. Thank God for that song. The young people like it. i may not like it. Thank God they like it. All the folks. No, the younger folks say, oh, I thank God they can sing the hymns. I don't like it, but I see my grandmother there. She's going like this. Thank, thank you, Lord. Folks, it's no longer about me. You become joyful what you see. What else? You become thankful. You're grateful for everything that happens in your life, even though it seems like you cannot say thankfulness. You're not thankful to the Lord. I remember one guy. He had such a bad day. Everything went wrong. Everything you can think of. His car broke down. He went to work. He got late. Everything went wrong, right? Everything was so bad. And this guy who knew this person as a Christian says, I wonder what this guy's going to say, right? He always gives thanks for everything. I wonder if he has anything good to say. You know what he said to his friend? Friend, everything's gone wrong today. Ah, he was waiting. He's not going to be thankful today. The Bible says, give thanks in everything, right? You know what the guy says? I'm just so thankful to the Lord. Not not all my days are like today. Because tomorrow is going to be a better day. Well, he's thankful. Can you still be thankful? Folks, you need to give thanks in everything. What else? It tells us, are you ready for this? Learn to submit To one another. A lot of people don't like the word submit here. Especially in America today. Submission. What does it mean? I am no longer looking after my interest. I can submit to somebody of authority. But somebody like my friend over here. I don't want to submit. But submission is a sign. You're saying, Lord, you know what's best for me. I'm willing to submit to you. My friend, I know what's best for you. and You know what's best for me. I'm willing to submit to you. And that happens in the home. Wives are supposed to submit to their husbands, right? Did you hear that, wives? Amen. <laughs> Unto the Lord. Submission is okay, ladies. It doesn't mean you're inferior. God has allowed it to happen because it says He wants order. He created men and then He created women. You're willing to submit because you know this person is looking after your own benefit. You're willing to submit to the Lord. You're willing to submit to one another. children. You need to submit to your parents. That's the Bible tells us. Later on it says, People, employees, submit to your employers. Submission is all over the place. Why? Because when you submit, you're saying, Lord, I know you're in control of my life. And if I'm submitting to you, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do to be a blessing to others. I therefore submit to you. I'm also willing to submit to one another, unto the Lord. Not because I just want to please you. I do this why? Because I want. To honor Him. He is the one that is what? Controlling my life. So how do you know that you're not controlled by the Spirit? First Corinthians 6.19. A few more verses here. First Corinthians 6.19. Do you not know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit? Who is in whom you have from God. You are no longer of yourselves. In other words you know you're filled with the Spirit, that it is already in you. What else do you know? Let's go back to a few more verses there. I'm sorry. Says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 3, 4 verse 30. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. Folks, when do you grieve the Holy Spirit? When you do things no longer honoring to the Lord. When you no longer allow the Holy Spirit to take control of your life, you're going to grieve Him. In other words, the Holy Spirit keeps telling to you, my brother, my sister, you need to be doing this, but you don't want to do it. You're hurting his heart. You're grieving him. It's like a mother telling a son, son or daughter, do this, and they don't want to do it. They're grieving as parents because you want the best for them. The Holy Spirit can be grieved when you don't do what he wants. What else? When you quench the Holy Spirit, don't stifle the Spirit. In other words, you reject his leading in your life. That's another way That you can also impact the Holy Spirit. But then also listen to him when you speak to the Word of God. The Bible tells us he also wants to live in us. He also wants to speak to us through his Word. Listen to what Peter says. Because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, moved by the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Word of God keeps telling us how we should live our lives. So in closing, I know you want to hear this now, right now. So in closing, my question is, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? What areas of your life does God need to have full control of your life? Think about it right now. What is filling up your life right now? Are you filled with anxiety? Then that needs to be filled with the Spirit because you're allowing anxiety to be the one to control you. Are you filled with anger? Let the Holy Spirit fill you instead of with anger, with His peace and His love, with joy and the fruit of the Spirit. What is filling you right now? He says, God, just fill me right now because I know I'm just a person that is filled with critical spirit right now. I want you, Lord, just to be the one to take all of my life. Folks, is God having full control of your life right now? And how do you do that? (laughs) By one simple step. You make that choice this morning. Say, God, I used to be the one in control of my life. I hold that steering wheel. Say, Lord, I'm willing to let go. You come. You take a hold of my life, my steering wheel. You control my life. You perm my life, my life. You dominate my life. You do whatever you want to do in my life. And God says, He will fill you with His presence. And you'll make a difference. People will see the difference of your life whether you're filled with the Spirit, or if you're still living in that old, sinful life that you don't want to put off. And that's why you don't experience the fullness and victory found in the Lord. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Whenever heads are bowed and whenever eyes are close. This is the Word of God that is given to you this morning. And I pray that you take this seriously because God wants to make a difference in your life. God wants to control your life so that you will experience the fullness of what it means for Him to reveal to you His plan. To give to you the joy that only comes from knowing Him. The peace and contentment that comes when you know that God has a plan that is better than what the world has to offer. That once you experience knowing Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have now been bought with a price. You are no longer yourself in control. You've been bought with the precious blood of Christ. And therefore, you need to give control of your life to the Lord. So this morning, while every heads are bowed and eyes are closed, the first question is, do you want to be filled with the Spirit? It is a command, it's not an option. What is stopping you from giving full control to Him this morning? Let go and let God have His way. Say a simple prayer that goes like this. Holy Spirit of God, I now understand why my life is not where it needs to be. Because I still want to be in control. But this morning, I turn over my life to the Spirit's control. And I desire every day, moment by moment, that I will not take a hold of that control in my life and say, Holy Spirit, you take full control. Lord Jesus, I am yours. You can do that right now. And right at this very moment, He will fill you. He will permeate every part of your life. And He will... Make you complete this morning. My second question. Maybe this morning you are saying, Lord, I know I'm doing things that is grieving you right now. I'm doing things that I'm not supposed to be doing as a Christian. Whatever the Holy Spirit is pointing out to you this morning, you need to confess it. He's willing to forgive us. He promised that if you confess our sins, we confess, He will forgive us. So ask His cleansing this morning. For sins that you know that you have deliberately been doing, and you have been grieving the Spirit, Say, God, please forgive me. And even this morning, you know you're also stifling the Spirit because the Spirit has been asking you to do certain things in your life, to do for somebody else or for the church or whatever, but you still refuse to do what He wants you to be doing. Would you please let go? Just have the Holy Spirit have a full hold of your life. And lastly, maybe there's certain things you would like to be doing for the Lord. And you've been fearful to move forward. Why don't you ask the Holy Spirit to say, the Holy Spirit of God. Now that you have full control of my life. Show me what I need to be doing for you. So I can share Christ with others. I can use my gifts and talents. Lord even this morning use me. I am willing to be used and controlled by the Spirit today. Give me the boldness. Because not on my own. But because you are now at work in my life. So Lord bless every decision that is made today. I'm just reminded, Lord, what your word says. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh upon you people, Lord, today. Bold us, melt us, fill us, and use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us today. Thank you, Lord. May each one here experience what it means to have you in control of our lives. And make our church a spiritual church. Because we're saying, Holy Spirit of God, you have control of our lives today. Do what you want, so we can fulfill your purpose in reaching out and discipling people for your glory and for your honor. And all God's people say, Amen Amen and Amen.